So this word has been burning in my heart. I mean, I think as a Christian, I've, I've heard parts of some of this stuff before. And when I speak about it, and you've, you've been a Christian for a while, you almost probably pick up some of the nuances of it. And um, I, have, I have mentioned some of these things sometimes in preachers. But I did, like the last two weeks, the Lord's been really speaking to me about this specific word. So turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to go way back. We're going to go to Deuteronomy and Exodus this evening. I've been camping in the Old Testament a lot, literally, and I love it. It's been really good. So, uh, Father, I pray over your word this evening that it will not be the words of man, not just my words, but it will pierce between bone and marrow and soul and spirit tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If we can get that, that scripture up in Deuteronomy chapter 15, and from verse 12 to 17, I'll give you the context as we unfold and unpack it. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your winepress. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl. And put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. And to your female slave, you shall do the same. And then in Exodus, is a similar account of this. These are the only two accounts that we find in the whole Bible of this. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. Who's read that before? Have you ever wondered what it meant? Who's preached on this? Anton, have you preached on this before? Nope. So I want to start off by saying this, that slavery... In the Old Testament, is not like slavery that we actually see in the Western world or even in the Eastern world and even today what we see as slavery. God was very strict about slavery. God allowed slavery because of the hardness of man's heart. You'll, you'll even read that when Jesus spoke in the New Testament, he says, Moses, you pressed him for an answer. You asked him for a divorce letter. I allowed it because of your hearts that's hardened. So there were three reasons why a person would become a slave. The first one, because the jails, there wasn't a lot of jails. So if you stole something, if Michael stole something from me, he was under law, he needed to repay me seven times of what he stole. So what Michael would do is he would come to me and he would become my slave. But any time that Michael decided to walk away and run away, Michael was free to go. And if Robin caught him and he knew he was my slave, it didn't matter. He's free to go. 
You were always free to go. The other reason was Steve was a little bit poor and Steve decided that he's better off, like we read there, he's well off with him, that, he, that I would feed him and I would give him shelter, I'd give him a place to stay and everything for him and his family. And he decided to come and work for me. But after year number six, I needed to say something. For, for Michael and in, and in this case, I would say, you guys are free to go. Okay. So if it's you, you're poor or you stole or you had a debt. Harry had a debt that he owed me. So you had to work that debt off within those six years. But then at that point, I need to let him go. I need to let him go. He was free. And even if he, even if he ran away, he was free to go. I could never chase after him and demand more because the law actually restricted me to do that. God's law was very clear on this. Okay. I need to say these things so that you can have an understanding. So after the six years... The slaves were free to go. They were free to go anywhere as they pleased. But sometimes the service was light. The yoke was easy and not burdensome. It was, it was good to be in that household. And the slave actually benefited from the relationship that they actually had. And they didn't want to go free. They preferred to continue as they were servants in the master's house, willingly. And this is where we pick up on these verses now tonight. Something else I quickly want to mention, and that you need to notice that in Exodus 21, it states in some manuscripts that the person were brought before either judges so that word there is Elohim, it says God in most of our translations. Some translations says judges, and some says God. Doesn't matter. The judges represented God. So, so if Steve said he wants to stay my, my servant, then I would take him before the judges, and the judges would go, what does he say? He says he wants to stay. Why? Because he loves me. And then I go, Okay. Now he is a free slave. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? He's still a slave, but a free slave. We call it a bond servant sometimes, or a bond slave. By his own choice, he chose to stay. And then we see this interesting thing that they do. That they go to the doorpost, to the door or the doorpost, put their ear against it, and an awl was a very long, thin spike with like a wooden handle that you would use to sometimes make holes in leather. And they would literally press that thing. This was the first body piercing for all those that are find, looking for a scripture to body, do body piercing. This is the original. This is the OG body piercing, okay, if you were wondering. And they would stand against the doorpost, and the master would come and press that awl straight through your ear. And scar you permanently. That hole was there permanently. And they would stand against the doorpost. Tonight's preach is called a piercing, an ear, and a door. 
Okay. Now you should be thinking already. If you've been reading the Bible a little bit, you should start thinking about nails through the flesh. You should be thinking about blood on door frames. You should be thinking about scars, permanent scars and holes because of piercing. Does this sound familiar? Okay, so let's dive into this. Why is it piercing? So the first thing I want to look at is the piercing part. What is it about the piercing part? So as we saw the process earlier in the scriptures, the slave was set free. Now I want to say this, and I want to just put this in there. Each one of us, we are slaves to something. You're either a slave to sin, the Bible says, or you're a slave to God. But we're all slaves, somehow. The debt that I need to pay, the Bible tells me is death. It's the only way that I could pay it. The wages of sin, because of my sin, the wages of sin is death. But, but there's a free gift. And this is where the free gift comes in. And I'm going to explain this a little bit to you. So what they would do is the slave was set free, but because of love, something that has happened in his heart, he wished to serve his master voluntarily. Voluntarily. And I want you to pick up on these words because we're going to talk about radical obedience. We're going to talk about things like voluntary obedience. You're free to go any moment. You're free to go any moment. You're not bound. But you choose to still serve and still be there. That's a choice that you and I make every single day to serve Jesus, just by the way. So then they were taken to the door frame where a matz, it's called a matzaya, matzaya, or an awl, something that was used to bore a hole, was used to pierce the skin of the earlobe and then marking the flesh permanently. For those of you that have earrings, you know, they, that thing is there always. I've got four of them. I remember when I got them. I had three. I was a cheeky young Christian. And I had three. And then I walked in and the pastor asked me, why do you have three earrings? I go, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> cheeky young Christian. The next week I had another piercing. And he goes, now why do you have four? I go, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me. <laughs> cheeky. I want you to to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 verse 17. This whole act reminded me of what Paul was saying. Look at this. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear. This is Paul speaking. I bear on my body the marks of Christ Jesus. So the word there, the marks or brand marks is the word stigmata. It's not that movie that you're thinking about, but that's the word. The Greek word is stigmata, and which in Paul's case, he actually says that the scars he bore in his body for the sake of taking a stand for Jesus. And I mean, we know that 
that he said, I, I was flogged so many times. I was killed. I was, I was dead. I was stoned. But it's not just the outward scars that Paul was bearing. It's the rejection. It's Barnabas walking away. It is, it is the people that opposed him, that were supposed to be his friends within the life of the church. And he says, I'm bearing. Can we get that scripture up there again, please? I'm bearing the marks in my body. I mean, Paul says this. He says, I pray for you day and night. I weep over you. I cry for you. That's the marks of Jesus that he's bearing in his body. See, there were five types of people that got markings or branded. Slaves got branded as a mark of ownership. Soldiers were branded as a mark of allegiance. Devotees, they were marked. And it was a mark of setting apart or consecration. So if they were devoted to some God, they would get a marking on their, on their body. I want to remind you, when Elijah is, 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 is coming before the prophets of Baal, remember that story. There's these prophets of Baal, and, and Elijah says to them, let's build altars. I mean, this is a bit of a Mexican standoff, you know. Like he says, the God that answers with fire is the real God. And these, and these prophets... They build an altar, and they cry out to their God. And the Bible says this, and they used to cut themselves as were their custom. Because that was their custom for the marking, because we were devoted to this, to this God. And then Elijah comes, and he says, maybe you need to shout a little bit louder, because I think your God is on the toilet. He says that. He says that, Wyatt. I promise you. Let your dad read it to you. He says, I think your God is relieving himself a little bit. He's, he's maybe not hearing you. Shout a bit louder. And they shout louder and cut deeper. Because they want to appease their God. And Elijah comes and he pours water on everything. And God comes and he doesn't just devour the sacrifice. He devours the whole altar and licks up all the water as well. Elijah said to him, I told you guys, the God that answers with fire, he's God. And then he kills them all. But that was the, he does kill them all. Different times, different times, don't worry. If you didn't worship so lacquer tonight, we're not going to kill you, okay. So the five classes, the five groups were, the first one, People that were branded were slaves because of ownership, soldiers because of allegiance, devotees because of consecration. Criminals were marked because of the exposure. In other words, the, if you bore that mark on you, everybody knew that you were a criminal. And then lastly, those that were despised, they were marked because of reproach. And Paul bearing all five of those marks in his body. He says, I belong to him. I'm a soldier. I'm a slave. I'm a criminal. I'm a devotee and I'm despised. 
See, pagans had this custom of branding the slave with the name or the sign of the owner. Like a bull mark. Like branded. Can I throw this in here? If you want to get tattoos, be very careful of what you get on your body. Be very careful. I'm not here to preach on tattoos. I have more than enough tattoos on my body. That's the scars. But I'm saying this, be very careful. Because you can be devoted to some foreign God. Be very careful. Be very, very careful. Just feel like it's a warning. Let's read John chapter 20. Look at this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. Listen, you haven't seen Jesus for a while. He just walks through the wall. It's good that he says, peace be with you. Because if I never jumped out of a two-story building, I would definitely do it when Jesus just walked in through the walls. Okay, he did. Wyatt, you need to read that story as well. <laughs> Dad, you've got lots of stories to read tonight. Whole week. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord because the stigmata, the, the marks were still there. And Jesus still bears those marks because he's a man. The Bible says that there is one man that is a mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. So he's still got the holes. When he comes back, he's still going to have the holes. He's still going to have it as a covenantal sign that he has made a covenant, a solemn promise that he's coming back for you and me. Those were the signs. Those were the marks. Jesus is showing his scars. It's a permanent mark of love and willing servanthood. He says, I'm willing. I came willingly. No man took my life. I gave my life. See, this went far beyond a call of duty. Then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. He will be your slave for a lifetime. Also, you shall do likewise with your maidservant. So, women, you're not excluded in this. See, this action of putting your ear against the door would leave a scar on the slave's ear for the rest of his life. And all could see that mark that he was bound to his master. Jesus says this, where my, the master is, the slave needs to be. So this is who I am. I'm a slave to Jesus. I'm free to go anytime. But this is what the disciples said. And Jesus asked them, where are you going to go? You know, do you want to desert me as well? Then I go, Jesus, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. I want to be with the master. That's who I want to be. I just want to be with him. Willing. You can decide to walk away. I've decided before to walk away from Jesus and the church. Didn't work out so well for me. 
It's a bit of suffering. Because his, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. That one. You get what I'm saying. You can see the mark. The piercing of the ear. There was a bit of a shedding of blood when that ear is pierced. Through that, with that all into the door, there was a blood that shed. And it's a, it's a picture for each one of us of the covenant, the, the promise that we make. And this covenant is a solemn, binding, and perpetual action. This wasn't something that I did and then, ah, oh, now I'm going to change my mind. No, no, no. Friends, when you become a born-again Christian, you stay a born-again Christian. Don't make this a light decision. My kids asked us today at the table, what is the biggest day of your life? It's the best day of your life. Debbie said, the day she became a born-again Christian, I said, yeah, absolutely. And then marrying her, that she's a born-again Christian. The biggest decision is not going to buy your first house, make your first million and how you spend it. Your biggest decision in your life is going to be to follow Jesus willfully putting your ear against the door and saying, I want to follow you. Willingly. Why an ear? Why don't they pierce something else, you know? Why an ear? I mean, no, I'm not going to make jokes about noses. Why not a nose? Why an ear? You will pierce it through the ear into the door. And I want to say this and propose this to you that this a symbol that the ear is two things. The first one, an ear is symbolic of obedience. You've definitely heard your mom and dad say this. You all just went pale when I said those words. Don't you have ears? Can't you hear? And it's not about asking whether you have or not have ears. I mean, I can't ask that of Robin. He's only got one. <laughs> you can ask him why he's only got one later. <laughs> Thank the Lord he said ear, not ears for you. Thank you, Jesus. What does ears speak of? Is obedience. The first thing is, is about obedience. When I listen, I obey. I don't just become a hearer and never doing, the Bible says. You've got to hear and do. And that's what an ear is an, a, a, a symbol of. And I would say the second thing is, the, the door is a symbol of the home. We'll talk about a door now. Look at this. Psalm 40, verse 6. Most of the scholars, most of those that are writing um, commentaries on this would tell you that Psalm 40, when you get to this point, is actually a prophetic picture of Jesus. It's Jesus. We see him here and see him in the Psalms often actually. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. You can go read it on. And this is a prophetic picture of the coming of the ultimate 
bondservant, Jesus. My ears, my ear is open. Instead of animal sacrifices, God wants servants who will listen to him and surrender willingly become a slave to him. He's never forcing any of us. There's something I wanted to say about the, the door being symbolic of the home. Jesus said this, that zeal for my house has consumed me. We see that in, I think it's in John chapter 2 verse 17. But he's actually quoting Psalm 69 verse 9. Symbolic of his house. So it's obedience to the house of the Lord. See, David's referring in Psalm 40, he's referring to this custom that we saw in Exodus 21 and Deuteronomy 19. Where that slave wanted to remain in his master's house. And in his master's service would be marked with an open ear. Not just to hear, not just to listen, but to actually say, press that all straight into the door through my ear. Because I want to be obedient. This is what the Lord wants of us, is obedience, not sacrifice. Not desiring our sacrifices. It's desiring our obedience. Okay. See, this servant will say this most probably I know I have fulfilled my obligations. Remember I told you there's three ways that you became a slave. Because you owed him something, you stole something, or you were just too poor. I have fulfilled my obligations to my master and I have served what I have owed him. I've given him my six years. Yet I love my master because that is the key that he says. I love my master. Did we read that um, Exodus 21? We put that up, eh? Just pop that up again for me, please. If the slave plainly says, I love my master. In actual fact, I want to go so far as when Jesus says, if you love me, you will forsake brothers and mother. He says there, my wife and my children, well, it would be great if they come with but even if they can't come with, I will still serve you. I'll still serve you. Willingly. Willingly. I love my master and I'm so grateful for what he has given me. And I will gladly ob obligate myself for life. Not out of debt, not out of shame. I don't become a born-again Christian because I owe him anything, because he paid everything. I don't become a Christian because of shame. And he, he, he took my shame, the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 12. He took my shame upon himself. He's the one that hung naked on the cross. I didn't. He took the ridicule. He took the, the, the beating. He took the, the spitting. He took everything. That's what Jesus took for me. looking for obedience lastly why a door piercing an ear and a door the word door 
appears 39 times in the New Testament. Jesus calls himself a door in John 10. And actual fact in John 10 verse 9, he says, I am the door. No man can come to the Father unless they come through me. So willingly I come to the door. I get pierced. Blood flows. I pay. There's pain. There's a scar involved. I open my ear. I want to be obedient. And I come to the house of the Lord. This wasn't done in the synagogue. They didn't go to the synagogue, to the church, and get it done there. No, no, no. You go to the master's house. That's where you went. To the one that you were serving, you go to him. A door is an opportunity. And I want to say to you this, this evening, you have an opportunity to walk through a door tonight. You have an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ with your whole heart, willingly. Willingly. No man is forcing you tonight and say, give your life to Jesus. But I can tell you right now, it's the best decision that I've made in my entire life. The end of this month will be 31 years. Best decision. Willingly. A door. It is significant that this is carried at the door of the house. Since the slave is a, or the servant of that house. Another thing that it reminds us of is when the, the, the Israelites were out of Egypt. See, Egypt was old life. was the life of sin. And they came out of Egypt. And that night, they actually had to paint on the doorposts. They had to paint with a yesop branch. They had to paint uh, uh, blood on the doorpost. On this side, on the top and the bottom. That's the cross. And the angel of death came past. And if there wasn't blood on the doorpost, everybody inside would die. What is God seeing? Is he seeing the blood of his son upon you? Because it's only saved people that are going to go to heaven. Only saved people are going to go to heaven. Hear me out now. Only saved people. Only people that have believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And only people that have confessed that with their mouth, they're going to go to heaven. There's no in between. I'm sorry if you're thinking that there might be purgatory. There's no waiting room. There's no halfway house. You make that decision willingly with obedience on this side of eternity. It's not going to be another way because Jesus says it's the thief that jumps over the wall. My gate is not working right now. Two guys just walked into, into my, in my yard yesterday because the gate is open. I just come in. There's a moment, I want to say, friends, when the door is going to be closed. The opportunity is going to be done. And I don't know when that is. That's why it says, choose this day whom you will serve. Today, while it is light, while there is still grace, make that decision today. 
See, the servant's decision was to serve for life. This is not, uh, I've tried Jesus and it didn't work. I've tried to, to do the Christian thing. I've got friends that have said this before. No, 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 we've cashed in our chips. We, we are, uh, it's done. We, we don't want to serve him anymore. Because he didn't do this for me. He didn't give me a wife. He didn't give me this. Or, Listen, Jesus is not a one-on bandit. It's not a slot machine that you put your cash in and hopefully something's going to come out. It's a life surrendered to him. Look at what Jesus has done. I mean, this is the ultimate sacrifice in Isaiah verse, chapter 50. The Lord God has opened my ear. There's, there's that whole thing again. And I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back. This is Jesus speaking. This is like 700 years before he died. Isaiah's writing this. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. Listen, where's Malachi? He pulled my beard earlier. Yo. I pulled it out. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. In other words, when I put my hand to the plow, when I start off as a Christian, I don't turn back. I don't look back to Egypt and to the, to the world, to the things of this world. I don't care what the world has got to offer me. Listen, the world is looking for war. Heaven is preparing for a wedding. The world is preparing for war. Heaven is preparing for a wedding. And I want to be part of that wedding. And then lastly, I've preached on this a few times this year, that in the New Testament, there's this word slave or bond servant or doulos and that is one who is a permanent in a permanent relationship of serving to another that's what a slave is i want to say this lastly that the marks that we bear ultimately is not just external marks sure some of us will most probably die for our faith one day I mean, Ashley Gabriel really feels like he's going to, if you were at 412, that's what he preached on. And I'm prepared to die for my faith. I'll be honest with you right now, I don't know if I'm there. Martyrdom is that gift that you can only use once. Amen. It's not one of those reoccurring gifts unless the Lord raised you from the dead. Then you get another one. Round two. See if this works. But there was something in the heart of the people that was wrong. And the mark that God always expected in the Old and the New Testament is this. Not just something external. Not just a sacrifice. But a heart willing and wanting to obey Him. That's what it is about. That is the mark of the person who has entered into agreement with the Lord. That you're obedient to Him. When God says, go this way, you go that. You don't ask questions. You're a slave. You're a slave. You're his. 
So he can do with you whatever he wants to do with you. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm too, hey, Stefan, that's a bit heavy. It's a bit, it's a bit wild, that. Well, our benefits are out of this world. We're going to have benefits over there. I don't care what people say Yeah, I really don't care too much about that. The last verse I want to read to you is this, Jeremiah chapter 24. This is what Jesus is saying. Jeremiah says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Actually, I think it's in Ezekiel that he says, he's going to remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what he refers to. To come to Jesus. Let him give you a new heart. Christianity is not a better version of an old self. It's brand new, born again. You're brand new. It's not spiritual Botox. That you look a little bit better. You don't become a smarter sinner. You become a free man. Lastly, I want to ask you this question. Do you have any scars signifying that you belong to Jesus? Has it cost you anything to follow Jesus? Someone once said this, when we get home to heaven, God is not going to look at us over the medals that we earned, but over the scars that we have accumulated. And I wonder whether we have received any scars for Jesus' sake. And many of them are not physical scars. They are scars of the heart. But it's a great thing to have the marks of Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes.